0: Welcome to At The Root with Greg Kuyper. Greg is a psychotherapist and holistic life coach, and he is the brains behind Kuyper Counseling. Well, and the heart. Let's say the heart, too. Through his professional practice and personal experiences, Greg knows that without connection to ourselves, connection with others is near impossible because emotional connection is at the root of healthy living. If you have a question or a comment for Greg, please feel free to call into the show. The number is 425-373-5527. We would love to break our streak of no one calling. (laughs) 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 I'm just saying. Oh, gosh. (laughs) People, this is is real talk, and so people (laughs) may be hesitant. So if you are hesitant and you want to keep your stuff private, then you can certainly go to com and you can connect with Greg there. Hello, Greg. Hello, Stacy. <laughs> Not I... everyone is quite as transparent as I am. No,
1: no. I <laughs> can't think of anyone. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a thing.
0: So, okay. Okay. Our tradition is that we review what happened last time. Yeah. And we have been having this ongoing dialogue about you know in the intro i mentioned that the whole idea of without connection to ourselves connections connection with others is near impossible and and how um emotional connection is at the root of healthy living so Mm -hmm. we had been talking about relationships for some time now we've been talking about relationship to self right and we have been focused on uh Steve and Charlotte, especially Mm -hmm. Steve for the past couple of episodes. Right. And you had a session with him and he started to really go deeper in his relationship with his father, how that impacted him. Mm -hmm. You made some suggestions about connecting with his true self, inner self, inner child, fairly interchangeable. Right. And you had suggested that he speak with his mother. And I believe my closing comment was like, why is that so hard? Why, do, why don't people talk to their mothers? <laughs> S- says the mother of four. Um, and then I had a question that we left as a cliffhanger when I said, why don't you name your inner self your own name?
1: Well, I think you can. I mean, it's, it's, it's whatever you want to, whatever feels good. About naming, uh, typically people are, I take them, when I use this approach, and mm-hmm. you know, people can visualize that inner child, it's typically a child, right? Right. For way back there, young. And so it's easy for many people to name them something childlike. You know, right.
0: So does. if Steve is Steve now. and Little is,
1: Stevie. Or right. Or whatever, so. you know, I mean, it's. it's, it's I get it, it. it. It's just something that helps them connect. With associate with associate, right? Okay, all right. right, that
0: makes sense. I just, I've been right. waiting a week to ask the question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we all have, you know, we all have different parts of ourselves, right? I mean, that's just one part. There's, there's all kinds of parts of ourselves that we could get into, but we won't. Okay, you know.
0: All right. Well.
1: Well, you know, lately we've been bringing into light these illusions that we all live today that we've been talking about, and and. And we have been living them in our personal lives, right, for a long time. They've been built on our past experiences, thoughts, feelings, beliefs, pretty much everything else that has occurred during this physical existence, um, we have built these illusions around. And all these ingredients have become what we call our personality. We talked about that. And I've, I've proposed that this is not our real self, even saying it's our False self. And by this, you know, I, I mean that in relationship to what I've described as our true self, our personality is not real or is false. Because many of us deny or don't even know our true self exists. And without it we cannot be real or true. So that's why I identify the personality as a false self. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's all bad. You know, but it's good a it's
0: there. a bit of a false front, like a facade. If you it think is. about the western towns, right, there's still the working part behind them. Mm-hmm. It's just that they're not everything that the front right. like indicates that it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a facade. It's it's something we put up to keep us going, right? And then it just becomes this automatic part of us. So. We're missing that critical part, you know, the true self, which would balance the negatives in our personality, even dispute them, relegating these negatives to, you know, the recycle bin of our mind, if you will. And I, I'm saying recycle because, um, as with all negatives we experience, I, I think we need to find, eventually find the time and space to look at them as objectively as possible and then reframe them into lessons learned Mm -hmm. rather than leaving them as regrets or resentments because those feed right into our false self, right, and that narrative. So the illusions we create in order to live without our difficult emotional experiences— are the barriers that are preventing us from connecting with our true selves and with the self of the other in our relationships. So, right, in working with with the couple, Charlotte and Steve, Mm -hmm. my intent is or has been to help them discover their grand illusion, right, consisting of their individual illusions, kind of a summary here, and how they trigger each other's individual illusions, which puts them in this critical loop of criticize, defend, withdraw, criticize, defend, withdraw.
0: Or as I call it, attack, defend, attack, defend. Okay, well,
1: <laughs> let's, okay, attack, defend, withdraw. There you go. <laughs> so we've come to a point in our work together where they have identified their triggers and, and they are discovering these individual illusions with all the bandages covering the emotional wounds of their personality, the false self. So that's where we've been, right? Mm-hmm. Bringing to light these bandages can be difficult, right, as, as we realize the magnitude of these wounds and the depth of the bandages. So the more we look at that, way, the more we're like, oh, do I want to do this? Maybe I don't. You know, it's, this is going to be a big deal.
0: Well, you know? and it's surprising the buildup of the wounds that we have there. For some people, it is an obvious gash, for right. other people it's a lifetime of paper cuts. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is why you pay me the big bucks. Yeah, that's it.
1: <laughs> For example, if an individual has uh, here you go, has used the bandage of drugs or alcohol to cover their emotional wound. It happens a lot. And a dependency to those substances has developed. This bandage is is not going to be easy to remove. It's, it's not. It's going to require a lot of insight and hard work and treatment maybe and a sincere okay. intent. So this isn't a bandage that's just going to fall away as we pull it off. And sometimes they don't even want to pull it off,
0: right? I was just thinking that. Yeah. I mean, the they, intent they probably has to be do. There.
1: But they but, can't. But
0: they can't, right? right.
1: So we've also described how just being aware of the bandage and removing it is not enough. The wound is still there. And we surely don't want to find just another bandage to put on it, right? I mean, that just continue the cycle on and on and on. So we've got to look at the wound and we've got to heal it ourselves. And this is where the true self becomes a big part of the solution, the healer of the wound, if you will. The true self is made up of compassion, unconditional love, kindness, and forgiveness, among other things. We need to find and embrace these poultices, if you will, and apply them to our emotional wounds. Compassion, unconditional love, kindness, forgiveness. And in this case, it's self-compassion, unconditional love, forgiveness. So, this is a long ways from two people in a relationship believing and admitting that they aren't communicating, right? That, that's one of the most common ailments brought to me by couples, right? Goes, We're, we just don't communicate. We're having troubles communicating. We have a communication issue. And as we've seen, this proclamation of failure to communicate is barely scratching the surface. It's just a part of their grand illusion what's underneath it is is the real problem.
0: What they mean is we're not connecting.
1: They're not, right. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, it's easier to say we're just not communicating, you know. Right. You get down to the bottom, we're not connecting at a deep emotional level. I mean,
0: well, that yeah. would right, that indicates some amount of self-awareness and that's the whole thing that we're talking about is that most of us don't
1: have that right or we're blaming the other person
0: well naturally
1: (laughs) so after identifying the grand illusion and the triggers to each partner's individual illusions the work really starts for these two people right in the couple the individual work to not only identify the bandages but to discover the true self in order to heal the wounds this can be a tall order. I mean, this is a big deal. Or not, right? I mean that the relationship that's going on between these two doesn't have to go into some kind of hibernation or hiatus, whatever you want to call it, while this individual work is going on, right? Because it might take a while. Each partner's got their own individual work to do. Maybe one's more heavy duty than the other. Who knows? Right. We don't judge it's them. It's not here. a contest. It's not a contest. But during this process, does the, does the relationship have to go on hold? Um, no. I guess it could. I mean, if one partner is, is, uh, just doesn't, doesn't have the patience or doesn't want to put the time into supporting the other partner, they could leave, right? I mean, they could. I mean, once these, once these illusions are discovered.
0: This is the age-old question of taking a break.
1: Right, right. But 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 just think of the support your partner can be for you in this endeavor of working out your illusions, working out this, healing these wounds. And we must remember that this healing work is, this is never going to have a finite end, right? It's a journey. We've talked about this, a lifelong journey.
0: I was thinking about journeys and how it's much more, Uh, You learn far more, you notice far more when you take them with someone else.
1: There you go. So together, hopefully, right? So each partner helps the other through their own bandage removal and wound healing, whatever it takes, you know, It, it it takes time. We just support each other. And in the process, the we develops and grows. And the result, is an ongoing process of the we being more than the sum of its parts. There you go. The very support we lend to the we helps us on our individual journeys. And the very support we lend to each other's individual work helps us on our journey of we. Did we just complete this big circle back around to the original insight provided the couple when they came in a failure to communicate? Well, in a way, yes, right? Not in the way they initially brought the issue to the table, but you know, the loving support from our partner in dismantling our illusions and removing the bandages, healing the wounds, and vice versa, requires a deep understanding of each other. A vulnerability and attunement that more than likely is missing. This starts with knowing our desires and needs, right? What we want and need, personally and in the relationship. And then being able to share them with our partner, vulnerably, open, transparently, and have them validated and responded to with support and empathy. That's the ultimate goal, right? Because if we can do that, then we are able to support our partner in their journey Mm -hmm. of discovering and healing their wounds.
0: Mm -hmm. And the couple that comes to you saying, we have a failure to communicate, it's like, my arm hurts. And then you find out that it's broken, right? So you go in for (laughs) one thing, and then it turns out that there's actually much more going on. Right. So is it about a failure to communicate? Sure. Just like your arm is hurt.
1: Right. Right.
0: All right. So speaking of Char and Steve.
1: Yeah, that's where I'm going to go next with Char and Steve. But first, you know, I'm going to have an individual session with Char like I did with Steve. To help her in finding some insight into her illusion, individual illusion, with, with its bandages and wounds, right? Steve, Steve's come to some realizations around this. He's working on it. So, Shark came into the office, and as she was getting settled, I asked her, So, how have things been going for you after the last session we all had together? She replied, I've been trying to check in with myself during the day when I can remember to do it. It helps to keep my anxiety in check when I do it. I notice my thoughts and feelings and then name them and decide what to do. Well, that's great. That's, that's exactly what we talked about doing. What, what is it that you generally decide to do, I asked. Well, what I feel is typically anxiety about something. Just bringing it into mind helps me to not gear, you know, get carried away and go down that rabbit hole, as you called it. So describe what it is that you feel then, sir. after you acknowledge that the rabbit hole is not an option, what happens inside you right then? Calm, she responded quickly. Peace. It does depend on the source of the anxiety, though. She had it. What do you mean, I asked? If it has to do with Steve or something that's going on with us, it gets pretty intense. This ang- I do, you know, the anxiety, I don't catch it soon enough or at all. I don't like that rabbit hole. Well, it sounds like then that the anxiety ramps up pretty quickly. In those instances, she went on, it does. And it's fear. I'm scared to interact with him. And when I know that I need to, I, 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 I figure out ways to not do it. Or I just clam up and don't talk, which really gets him upset. I asked her, what do you think this fear is? Any idea where it comes from or? What do you think about? It? She replied, "Oh, I do know. He doesn't listen to me, and he comes across as condescending, and like what I have to say isn't relevant or important. So, um, I avoid those situations and conversations." At the same time, I desperately need him to listen to me, and it probably comes across fairly pathetic to him. Well, that's an assumption, sure. She interrupted, no, he's actually told me that I'm pathetic. This is a big trigger for you. What is your reaction when this happens? I withdraw and cry. So, I guess that's pathetic. I think you've had enough judgment in your life. How about you give yourself a break today, okay? She was tearing up. Okay, it's just hard to keep this up. His behavior triggers your illusion. What is that? What's your illusion? We've talked about it. What do you... Tell me about it. Oh, God. Growing up, I was... Never listened to, and when I did say something, it was a put-down. It's not the first time I've been called pathetic. I would imagine it's hard, even now, to know if what you think or want to say has any value. She got quiet. Yes, you could say that. And so you withdraw. She nodded her head as she dabbed her eyes with a tissue. You You remember when we were talking about bandages over our emotional wounds. I do, she answered. I'm thinking that one of your bandages is the withdrawal. The hurt of being rejected and put down is carefully covered with this instinct to withdraw. She paused, looking right at me. I don't think I'm ready to remove that bandage. There's a big hurt under it. I don't blame you. Let's try something. Bear with me here. Go back with me to your childhood. Who is it that got hurt? Well, it was me. It started when I was a young girl. So how far back can you remember? I mean, go back. How far back do you have memories of your mom and dad? I don't, actually. That's pathetic. I scolded her a bit. We agreed to stop the judgment. She nodded her head. I continued. I want you to close your eyes and go back and see if you can find that little girl. Do you see her? After a few moments she replied, I do see her. She's very young and in her room with her dolls and teddy bears. She's happy, so innocent. As long as she is in her room, yes, as long as she is in her room, she has no desire to leave, I can just tell. I'd like for you to join her there for a while. You know, get to know her. Play with her. Visit her. Ask about her dolls and toys. Spend some time this next week just just reflecting and going and talking and sitting with her, hug her, whatever. We've got to end soon here, but, but I would like for you to visit her there as frequently as you can until we can talk again. Let it flow as you get to know her. Eventually, maybe, you two can go to the door and leave the room, removing the bandage. In the safety of her room, you can reacquaint her with her true self and then find some healing. Let's see what happens. I'd like that, said Char. I did remind her to take this into her sessions with her individual therapist so that she could continue the work. We ended the session.
0: Wow. Ugh, I feel bad for Shar. Yeah. But I mean, I also, I, we've talked about this, I Steve resonates with me and Shar resonates with me. Mm. Because I think, um, you know, feeling... Like you don't have anything of value to say. and you know, especially if maybe you have a more traditional relationship where she's been the stay-at-home mom, it's mm-hmm. the choice that they've made. Uh, Steve is off doing work and whatever. And so that really takes a jab at your self-worth and what oh. you're, what you know, you're giving to the relationship and what you're contributing.
1: And then, and, and then it's easy for you to think that you're appearing weak.
0: Right. And that, you know, the things that you're looking to do are either talk about the things that are part of your day, right? which is, you know, got to sign up the kids for <laughs> camp six months early because the list right. is so long. And then the other thing is, you know, trying to be relevant and talk about, you know, wanting to talk about. Your significant other's day or right. talk about other things so that you can feel relevant. And she just doesn't feel relevant.
1: Well, think about it. If you go through all those years, you know, at least zero through 18, living with, at home and beyond. But if you go through all those years and with a feeling of little or no self-worth whatsoever, just, mm-hmm. just self-esteem it's gone. Never was there, right? Then later on, now when you're an adult, it's just easy to actually believe that, that you don't have self-worth. I mean, it's just automatic. It's in there. So, so here, you, you know, you're not questioning your self-worth anymore. You just know that I don't have self-worth.
0: Well, it's Pavlov's dog, right? You've been dismissed your whole life, so you dismiss yourself.
1: Yeah, Kind of, yeah. Huh. So, so being able to get back in touch with her, that little child that um, wasn't so damaged at the beginning and, and, and heal that wound, that's, that's, that's where she, I hope she goes. And I'll help her with that. But she's going to have to work on that with her individual therapist, too.
0: Absolutely. And, and it's interesting that the thing that made her happy was mm-hmm. being around dolls and her teddy bear. Right. She's nurturing and loving and is interested in comfort. Right. Oh, so much to unpack, Shar. We've got this. <laughs> okay. So for all of you that are as infested as this as I am, continue to listen. We will continue the journey um, within and with St- Steve and Charlotte. Uh, Again, if you are interested in connecting with Greg, go to kypercounseling.com. You can also find him on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you, Greg.
1: You're welcome.
0: Words for the weary?
1: Everyone, just stay aware out there. See you next week.
0: See you next week.